Okay, ready? My name is Bianca and this is my handsome husband, Jordan. And today we will be reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Bye-bye. Good morning. Welcome to Gateway Online. You know, two weeks ago, we were excited to tell you that we believed our theme for the year should be every day in every house. And the first part of making that happen for us is to secure our houses. So we thought it would be appropriate to launch our year by talking about our marriages. And this is the second week of our three-week series on marriage. And if you talk about your marriage, you have to talk about communication. A lifestyle website conducted a, a survey recently of mental health professionals, and they listed communication as the most common factor leading to divorce. 65% of them said that. And incidentally, inability to resolve conflict was second with 43%. And that's really just another way of saying bad communication, isn't it? Virtually every survey about marriage and of marriages reveals the same thing. Now, there are so many different aspects of communication, verbal, nonverbal, negative versus positive, how to disagree well, many more. And there are many communication tools, very helpful tools. We could literally spend weeks talking about communication and it would be fruitful time. But today I want to focus on one aspect of communication. And in this, we're, we're going to take our cues from the Bible because the Bible thinks this one is a pretty big deal. Today we're going to talk about speaking the truth in love. Now, telling the truth is obviously a big deal to God. He includes it in his list of 10 absolute best ways to live. Remember, don't speak falsely about your neighbor. Plus, he spells it out for us several times when he gives us just general guidelines for how we should relate to one another. And intuitively, we know this is right. We know the truth is a big deal. But how do we speak it well? That matters. I mean, it's possible to speak the truth very badly. So how do we do it well? Well, fortunately, God speaks to that uh, in the passage that Jordan and Bianca read for us this morning. Now, if you back up from the paragraph that they read for us, back to the beginning of chapter 4 of Ephesians, we hear Paul start this uh, train of thought with an impassioned plea for unity. So look at this. He actually says, make every effort. And then in the next paragraph, we roll down. Uh, he talks about how each of us have been given different capabilities. He calls them gifts, both naturally and directly from God. And when we, the body of Christ, that, that's us acting collectively. When we are using those gifts for the development of one another, then unity and growth and maturity result. And then that brings us to Jordan and Bianca's paragraph. So it starts, then... Meaning, as a result of the kind of activity we just described, the kind of living for one another, then we won't be immature and emotionally and spiritually unstable. Do you see that? And notice what Paul does in verse 15. Instead, he says, meaning he's contrasting what he's about to say with the immaturity and instability just described. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up into Christ. In other words, a healthy spiritual environment will be one where Christians are speaking the truth in love to one another. 
This is critical for the body of Christ. This is a big stinking deal. This is the kind of atmosphere that encourages unity and growth and maturity. You see, Jesus holds us together, grows us up as long as we're doing the work of speaking the truth in love. And this is also critical for our marriages. In fact, this is a general principle that's applicable across all human relationships. An environment where the truth is spoken lovingly provides for growth and stability and maturity and deeper connection. Easy peasy, right? Unfortunately, not so much. So let's spend the rest of our time teasing this out in general by looking at two life principles in which speaking the truth needs to happen, but which challenge our ability to do it in love. Okay, the first kind of situation which requires truth and love and which challenges our speaking of it in love is when we're, we've been hurt, disappointed, or frustrated. In this kind of situation, hurt, disappointed, or frustrated, there are two ditches that we have to avoid. On the one side, we can just avoid speaking the truth altogether. On the other side, we can use the truth as a club, right? So in ditch one, Many of us have a hard time expressing our hurt, disappointment, or frustration. We'd rather just ignore it. It wasn't so bad. I'm not really that hurt. How in the world could I bring that up? If that happens again, then I'll say something. Whether because of our natural personality or the engagement pattern of our family, or more likely both, we just hate conflict. We remind ourselves we can't do it. We're well-practiced at suffering through a little hurt. We can certainly make it through this one. This even sounds like the right approach. It sounds like the Christian thing to do. It's nice, so it's got to be right. But it turns out that Jesus never employed this strategy, and God clearly doesn't advocate it. It's little wonder that counselors will universally tell us denial and suppression are not good long-term relationship strategies. Others of us, who hang out in ditch two, we have a very different approach to hurt, disappointment, and frustration. We have no problem speaking the truth. In fact, we pride ourselves in the knowledge that people always know where we stand. We're just direct, we tell ourselves. If they were bothered, well, well, they, need to be, they needed to hear it. And besides, everything I said was the truth, at least as far as I understand it, only we never really acknowledge that last part, do we? Truth for us, not a problem. But sometimes the love part may be a little lacking. Marriage counselor John Gottman offers some practical tools for helping with our communication. And one of those tools, by the way, a tool which he claims will save our marriages, is the 5-1 tool. According to Gottman, healthy couples have a 5-to-1 ratio between positive, encouraging communication and negative comments. Five positive to every one negative. But for those of us who are direct, who cares about ratios? I'm frustrated. That needs to be expressed right now and with intensity. But when we do that, we land ourselves and our relationship in a ditch. When we do that consistently, the relationship will be stretched, eventually beyond repair. It will be like a rubber band that has lost its elasticity. It will either break or be corroded to the point of no use. So what do we do to express our hurt, disappointment, or frustration well? How do we avoid the ditches? Well, learning to do this is a process. I mean, for most of us, we've got to get out of one of those ditches and it takes time and it takes some work, but, but let me offer two steps to think about. This, this isn't a formula, but it may be helpful in framing some of the work we've got to do. First of all, we've got to learn to recognize our hurt, disappointment, and frustration. We've got to learn to see it for what it is. And for most of us, this is the truly hard part. 
Now, for some of us who occupy ditch one, any kind of feeling recognition will be hard and will involve pausing and listening to ourselves. We're, we're in the habit of pushing these feelings aside and explaining them away. Of course, they always resurface in bad habits or unexplained anger or in depression or anxiety. In other words, pushing them aside doesn't work. It just lands us back in the ditch. So let's identify them. Now, I'm not good at this personally. I know this may sound weird to some of you, but I, I hardly ever know what I'm feeling. How do you feel about that, Ed? I don't know. Can you give me some options? For me, I've, I've had to train myself to listen to my feelings, to recognize my feelings. And, and this is critically important work. It's important for Diane and I. That's where speaking the truth in love begins. For others of us, especially those of you who hang out in ditch two, we, we have to recognize that what we really feel is hurt, disappointment, or frustration because what we think we feel is anger. That's what fuels our directness. Unanimously, therapists will tell us that anger is a secondary emotion. Remember that. Anger is our internal response to hurt, disappointment, and frustration. It's a secondary response. The internal mechanism works like this. I feel hurt or disappointment. And those are diminishing emotions. They make me feel small and vulnerable. So when I feel them, I replace them with an empowering emotion like anger. That anger then enables me to respond and be heard. So come on, Ed, isn't this just a bunch of psycho babble? I've never once decided to replace my hurt with anger. No, it's not psycho babble. You've certainly not decided to do this. It's happening much deeper in you than a conscious decision point, but it is happening. And that's why it takes work to get out of this ditch. Have you heard the truism, hurting people hurt people? Well, when you speak the truth, but decidedly not in love, then you are hurting people. If you do that in your marriage, well, you're damaging a relationship on which you depend. The Bible has a word for that. Fool. If we're going to get better at recognizing our hurt, disappointment, and frustration, whether we're in one ditch or the other, we may need an emotional, occasional emotional checkup. Uh, who am I angry at? What conversation, situation, or person am I, I wanting to avoid and why? What destructive habit or pattern am I allowing? We may need to get in the habit of disciplining ourselves to answer those questions. Now, remember I was going to offer a two-step process, sort of. So once we recognize our feelings, then secondly, we have to admit them to the one we love in love. That simple, no excuses. Oh, I'm not very good at that. Well, then you're not very good at loving. This is what love does. You can either figure out how to express it in love or it will leak out in passive aggressiveness or outright anger or coldness and distance. You're going to express it. So you might as well do it healthily. Do it as God prescribes. Speak the truth in love. Honestly, I believe I've known couples who literally got divorced because they could not apply this one principle to their lives. They could not speak the difficult truths until they were so laced with anger that they came out destructively. The ultimate form of that is, I want a divorce. When what they really needed to say was, that really hurt my feelings about 914 times before that. Again, in admitting it to one another 
in love, we, we, to the ones we love, we also have to remember that anger is a secondary emotion. Remember, the situation we're talking about is when we're hurt, disappointed, or frustrated. So, the hurt, disappointment, or frustration must be the, must be the substance of what we say. It's not the fuel for what we say. Because we don't speak our truth because we're hurt or disappointed. We speak it because we love. This is why counselors try to train us to speak our actual feelings and to use I statements and not you statements. This is just training in how to speak the truth in love. I had a chance to speak with Lauren Thomas this week. Uh, Lauren is a marriage counselor, and I want you to listen to how she talks about this. You came to us highly recommended by Michelle Bowden. So very nice to meet you. Well, it was such a fun invitation. And I thank Michelle. She's a great friend. And thank you for having me. Um, I love being able to promote counseling and normalize it and make it something that we all can go and reach out and get support. So, uh, Lauren, when, when counselors talk about marriage, they often talk about communication. Why is that? Um, I think we're just fully built for relationship. But if we don't know how to have that effective communication in the relationship, then the relationship breaks down and we have discomfort and, and a space of um, just irritability inside. Um, I am a, uh, a Gottman trained uh, marriage counselor. Um, and one of the research findings from Gottman says that the first three minutes of a conversation will dictate and predict what the end of the conversation is going to be like. Yeah. So, so tell us about that. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. So it really tells us that if we do not engage that beginning of a conversation in a way that our spouse can hear us and receive what we're saying, then we're bound for conflict and for, for arguments to happen. Um, and so it's really important to think about when I want to talk to someone, how do I start the conversation so that I can be heard. Um, because the biggest part of communication is understanding. And I want to understand my spouse. And in return, he wants to understand me. But if I'm the one beginning the conversation, I have the responsibility of how I start it. Um, and so there's this concept of called a gentle startup. And so what that really means is I have to think. I can't just spout out. What I, what I want to say, I have to think about how will my partner receive it. Um, and there's some really fun little tricks to that. It's, you know, one of them is um, complain, don't blame. And I think that one's kind of funny because we go complain. Well, it really means, hey, we're going to have disagreements and we're going to have things we don't like. But we can say, oh, that really bothered me when versus you did X, Y, and Z. And oh, so, that's, that's yeah, awesome. so that's one of them. Um, another one is starting with I. You know, if you go to your spouse and you say, you never listened to me, uh, we're probably going to have a very defensive spouse, right? Because we're being blamed versus I don't feel like you're hearing me. Mm. Mm. That really opens up a gentle way to say, can we talk about this? Now, if you want to hear more of my conversation with Lauren, look it up on mygateway.life. Lauren actually talks a little bit about how to find a counselor if you're looking for one. So, a gentle startup, that's how she put it, right? 
I mean, this is a marriage counselor training us in how to speak the truth in love because it takes some work, but we must do that work. When we experience hurt, disappointment, and frustration, it's a challenge to speak the truth in love for sure, but we have to do it if we want a healthy marriage. Okay, the second situation that, that challenges us in speaking the truth in love is when we have some objective criticism of our spouse. Ouch. Okay. Imagine, even though I know this is not true of your marriage, but imagine there's just something that your spouse does that's off-putting to others and you know it. Or there's something that, that makes her ineffective with the kids or at work or something he does that hurts his relationship with his family or with his friends. What should you do? Well, you should speak the truth in love. Here again, the challenge presents itself in one of two directions, right? Ditch one, we may hesitate to speak the truth. We don't want to hurt the other person or we may hesitate because we're afraid of how they'll respond. Or ditch two, we may be so upset about it that we use the truth as a club. We become angry and what we express is anger. In this case, we're really communicating, why aren't you different? Suppose your wife comes home from work and says, you know, Dane at work, she's always talking about how harsh I am. She's just so sensitive. Well, how does the husband respond if he also sees her as harsh? If he truly loves her, he has to speak the truth, but he has to do it in love. This ties back to our first principle of keeping our purpose in marriage before us, doesn't it? If, if you were with us last week, you may remember we said, our highest purpose as husbands or wives is to be an instrument for promoting our partner's spiritual and personal welfare. We said we must keep this purpose front and center in our thinking. Well, well one of the ways we accomplish this purpose is, is by speaking the truth in love, especially in settings where we have objective criticism. You know, in that section later in Ephesians 5, where Paul talks about marriage, we read it last week. We're going to explain it more fully next week. In that section, Paul addresses husbands at one point, and he offers Jesus's love for the church as the example of what husbanding should look like, which is incredibly intimidating. But the purpose statement he gives is revealing. Remember this from last week? Jesus gave himself up for the church, Paul said, and here's the purpose statement, to make her holy. And then he amplified it a verse later. He said, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. All right, here's the thing. We sometimes think of ourselves as tolerating the stains and wrinkles in the character of our spouse. Well, this is just part of the hassle of being married to him. He doesn't tell me anything. He doesn't even know what he's really feeling. We never have a real conversation or fill in the blank with whatever your complaint is. But the thing is, we aren't called to marriage to tolerate these blemishes. We're called to help one another iron them out of our lives. That's our purpose. God hasn't put us in this in spite of the blemishes. We're in it because of them. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Uh, this is part of the function of all healthy relationships. And when iron hits on iron... There are sometimes sparks, but the end result is a better tool. So those of us in ditch one need to not be afraid of the sparks. And those of us in ditch two need to remember that the purpose is to sharpen, not to chip. And the first step in doing this is seeing it. The second step, starting to work on it. There's no magic. There's only you and I moving forward in obedience and trying our best to allow God to grow us or 
There's you and I staying the same, hanging out whatever ditch we find ourselves in and probably dragging our relationship in with us. But in an attempt to give us a foothold on making some progress, again this week, I'm going to drop some homework on mygateway.life. Now, I'm willing to bet that most of you are like me. You didn't do the homework last week. Most of us never even thought about it, and the ones who did never found the time. By the way, if you did the homework, gold star for you. But listen, uh, let's do some work. Let's get better at this. Let's begin to recognize how we feel. Let's work on that, and let's strategize about how to express that feeling in love. Let's think about the first three minutes of that conversation. You can begin by going to mygateway.life and doing the exercise, seriously. And whichever one of you needs the most brownie points, you'd be the one to suggest the homework this week. And let me help you get started. Let me give you one question to noodle on right now. And, and ask this with whoever you're watching this with. Are you more likely to leave the truth unsaid or to use the truth as a club? And why do you think that is? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature representation of him who is the head. That's Christ. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for depositing truth in us and thank you for growing love in us. Jesus, you are the truth. And you come to us as the perfect embodiment and representation of love. And I think, Lord, when those two are fully operational, they're in, they're, they are inseparable. Do uh, the work in us, Lord, to allow for the free flow of loving truth to pass uh, between us in our marriages, in all of our relationships. Lord, we give you permission to do what you must, to shine a light on those areas in us that inhibit that, 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 that tamp that down in one direction or the other. Lord, we need uh, help. <laughs> we need big time help getting out of the ditch we're in and the relationship patterns that we've already established. We pray, Lord, that you would put us on the firm setting, the stabilizing setting, the maturing setting, the deepening setting of speaking truth and love. Uh, we submit ourselves to you fully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.